You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We welcome you on into a Thursday Locked On Syracuse podcast. Today's episode brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On Sent you. Tim Leonard and Tyler Aki continuing our run through of the Athletic Syracuse basketball fan survey. If you missed the first two parts of this episode, go back and check it out. We got a little riled up on yesterday's episode, Ty, when we were talking about kind of the state of the program a little bit. So riled up that we got a text from our buddy Anthony DeBundo saying, Love the fire, love the passion. So glad that everyone's liking that. And hey, this has been a. Listen, we thought this was going to carry us, what, one, maybe one and a half episodes. The fact that now we're on episode three, going through this entire survey, it it just shows, and it's not like it's a questioning of the program per se. It's just kind of getting a temperature, getting a pulse of where everything is right now. It's kind of turned into a state of the program discussion, and it's just us going through basically the burning questions around Syracuse basketball right now. So if you missed any of the first two pods, and I'm sure if you're listening to this one, maybe you've checked it out already, but go back and check it out if you haven't. And we'll start today with the million dollar question, I'd say. I know I think I've said that maybe once or twice already because there are plenty of burning questions, but... This, this might is be the, the one. billion dollar question. Yeah, that, there we go. That's a better way of putting it. It is the who will be the Sy- next Syracuse coach? Who will take over after Jim Beheim? It's what everyone is dying to know. And now we actually have some knowledge from the UNC situation. Like we've seen some sort of recession or succession plan, I should say, fall into place of sorts. But the four options that Goody laid out here over at The Athletic Mike Hopkins, Adrian Autry, Jerry McNamara, and then the last option, the best available person regardless of Syracuse connection. And I should phrase the question as, who should be Syracuse's next coach? So essentially, if you could take your pick, it's not your best educated guess, but and we can maybe talk about that a little bit too, but it's who do you want to be the next head coach? I am in the Mike Hopkins camp. I think I've been in that camp for at least since he's been dubbed to be the next coach and then went to Washington. I love him. I loved him as a recruiter. All the players, especially now that I've done Devo's podcast, all the players speak so highly of him. And I really think he has sorely been missed recruiting wise and in terms of keeping guys around if they have a so-so year where they didn't feel like they got the proper minutes they deserved. He just has always felt like the great foil to Bayheim, And I think he would be a good leader. Now, I will say the case is getting a little less steadfast when you look at his kind of Washington resume the past couple years. You and I have both been in the Hopkins camp, and I think there is only one selection. It is Mike Hopkins. And yes, you can say, okay, it's been a little bit down at Washington lately, but let's not forget. First two seasons on the job, he won Pac-12 Coach of the Year each of the first two seasons. He was bringing the team to the NCAA tournament, including a season where they weren't really supposed to be there, and then they go out, mess around, and and won the Pac-12 tournament. But the other thing that you have to remember with Mike Hopkins, and part of the reason why I think he would have success, more success at Syracuse than he is out at Washington, and I've said this on the show before, but it bears repeating, all of his connections were in this Northeast area. 
everything. It was his lifeline to recruiting. When you think about all the top tier guys that he was getting, it was from the DMV area, Philly, New Jersey, in the state of New York. All those top level guys that he was bringing in were from this area. It's a lot easier to convince a kid to come play at Syracuse from this Northeast region than it is to convince a kid to go all the way across the country to Washington. And that's why I still stand in the belief that Mike Hopkins is a, a guy who would thrive at Syracuse. I, I know what the record looks like right now at Washington these past couple of years. It's not pretty. But when you look at what he was able to do as a coach at Syracuse, I think that's the body of work that Syracuse should look at. And I, I think that he would be the perfect guy. I, I really don't think that there is an option two or three here. So I'm with you for the most part. I would say my confidence is waning a little bit because you talk about how he would do better from a recruiting standpoint if he was the Syracuse guy. Really, he's done great recruiting-wise. That's not my concern with him. He's still getting guys to go to Washington. He got Isaiah Stort. He got uh, McDaniels as well. He's had solid recruiting classes. He's been in the mix with a lot of guys that Syracuse have wanted since he's gone to Washington. The question is, why isn't he getting more wins out of the talent that he has accumulated there? And you can throw out a couple excuses. One is Quade Green getting suspended. Now, you could also argue that how did you let Quade Green get suspended? Because he's your point mm -hmm. guard. He's your focal point. Let's make sure that he's going to class and doing the right things. And I think it was an academic sort of suspension, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, once Quade got suspended two years ago, so in the COVID year, they really went downhill because it was like, whoa, we just lost our point guard. We have no one else there. And that just kind of carried some bad momentum into this past year where they were kind of ravaged by COVID this past year. Now, that was an excuse for a lot of programs, but I do think they were hit early and often by players getting COVID-19, which didn't help Washington. It still is, even with those excuses, it's still a little concerning how bad Washington has fallen off. And I do think from a national perspective, some people would scratch their head and be like, wait, what did him going 9-20 and 20 at Washington or whatever his record has been the past couple years, that's good enough to elevate to the Syracuse job? I do think the fan base will be happy for the most part, and that yes. would be the consensus pick, though. I, I'm with you. Like I get what you're saying, but I think you're also seeing a lot of those guys that he got early on at Washington were guys who... He had the previous relationships with at Syracuse, and once Hop goes and takes the Washington job, they tag along for the ride, most notably Isaiah Stewart. Now, these last couple of years, you're starting to see, okay, it's a little bit tougher to recruit when you've got all those relationships on the Northeast, and you're trying to, to go about your business over on the West Coast now. I think these last two years were the byproduct of... He wasn't able to have, he didn't have the foundation in, he didn't have the ability to recruit and have the same success that I think he would have had if he was on the East Coast, whether it was at Syracuse or another East Coast school like a Boston College or something of that nature. Yeah, they also did struggle in 2016 when he replaced him, but I don't take too much stock into that. I right, think it's worth yeah. mentioning because some people do. But that was just a very, very tough situation to come in for those. that was a blind side for him, too. I mean, yeah, I, I just right. out of nowhere, they the NCAA or ACC, I can't remember who exactly it was, came in and said, all right, you're serving this now. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. So I, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in, in that little fiasco that went down back in the 15-16 season. 
As far as, real quick, the other guys, I think GMAC will be my number two pick, and I put it this way. If I got a notification, which obviously this is unrealistic, first Jim Beheim would have to retire, but let's just say, hypothetically, I look down at my phone tomorrow and it said, Mike Hopkins, head coach at Syracuse, starting tomorrow. I would probably do a fist pump. Like I'd be like, oh, okay, they, they made the right hire. Yeah. GMAC, I would probably do a fist pump. After that, I would be like, ah, I wish it was GMAC or Hopkins, I think. And I think Autry has a decent case, and, and you could make a strong case that he deserves to be above GMAC and Mike Hopkins. He d- probably deserves to be above GMAC because he's a senior right now on the staff, been with the program a little bit longer, maybe a little bit more proven. And also, Hop has struggled at Washington. So Autry, it's not the end of the world, but I think of the three logical candidates, that will be the one that I'd be a little bit more down on. My thing with GMAC, and I think that in terms of a face of the program, it's a great hire, but what are his X's and O's? We know nothing about what Jerry McNamara is in the huddle. And that's going to be, if he is pegged as the next head coach of Syracuse, that's going to be one of those interesting calls. I think we know a little bit more about Autry from that regard, just from the fact that he's been around the program a whole heck of a lot longer than anyone else on the staff. And I think that's worth a little bit of something as well. But listen, I get it from the GMAC standpoint. He's the only guy who plausibly can walk into that interview room and drop his ring on the table. He's the only guy that can do that. And and this is a, a program that deserves more than one national championship. All right, guys, are you looking for a new car part or a way to repair your car right now? Well, I've got the perfect solution for you. It is rockauto.com, different from the chain storefronts that are often kind of tireless and meaningless exercises, going to those chain storefronts and then getting turned away at the door because they don't have the specific part you're looking for. Instead, skip that step. Go to rockauto.com today. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online now for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com today, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. They always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. I personally have used rockauto.com several times now. I can speak from experience, been happy each and every time. And when you go to rockauto.com today, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Again, put locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So moving on to another men's basketball related question here. We'll get into some of the athletic director talk at the end of this podcast and discuss John Wildhack's tenure so far. But next question on this survey, what change, if any, 
would you like to see with the men's basketball program? Open-ended question, not a multiple choice. What did you answer to this one? So these were the types of questions that I hated in school. It was just the, the it wasn't fill in the blank. It was literally open-ended, put whatever you want down on the page. But I had my answer right away when I thought of this. And it's a, a simple tweak that may not seem like a lot to some people, but I think it is a big, big deal. And, and I'm almost perplexed that it hasn't happened already. But I would like to see the school move to Jordan Brand. I think that would be a huge tool in recruiting. And listen, the path is there. Mello is a longtime Jordan Brand athlete. You look at a lot of these schools that have shifted to Jordan Brand, and it's because they have had athletes within their program that are signed under the Jordan umbrella. Not to mention the fact that Rakeem Christmas, one of the more decorated alums of your program in the last decade, is married to Michael Jordan's daughter. So to me, it seems like a seamless, easy thing to, to do. You have Rack put in the, the little call up to, to his father-in-law. You get mellow in the ear of Jordan. I think this is a simple fix. And you've heard coaches across the country say how much this helps as a recruiting tool, whether it's at a, a place like Houston, Oklahoma, Michigan, obviously North Carolina. All of these schools have had a lot of success under the Jordan umbrella. And I would like to see Syracuse be next in line there. I like that. That's kind of off the wall there. I don't think many other people would have thought of that, but it's a good point. I mean, I think that would increase recruiting and, and it wouldn't be that, too hard. The big thing I thought about was, okay, Mellow Center's state of the art. Everyone seems to like Mello, the Mellow Center. I, I really don't have a whole heck of a lot of qualms with the way that the program is run and what I would change to the program. I just think this is a simple tweak to it that I would like to see implemented for the, the Syracuse men's basketball program. So I thought about what is the part that has bugged me the most about Syracuse basketball in these sort of, for lack of a better term, down years, I guess, regular season-wise down years. And we talked right. a lot about the state of it yesterday. But to me, it's the center play, and it's the mm -hmm. center position. So you can't go out and write, recruit better, right? That's right. I mean, they're obviously trying. That's not... We're looking for a solution to get or something to get you to that solution. So my answer was bring someone on staff. And I've talked about this before. That's kind of maybe a foil to Bayheim a little bit more of a players coach guy, maybe an ex NBA coach or assistant coach. Bring them on someone that has NBA pedigree and has pedigree playing the four or five position and can develop the big men a little bit better. But most of all, just to track better big man talent. Like I look at Patrick Ewing. I know Kudus Wahab didn't stay at Georgetown, but it just makes sense if you're a big man to go get coached by Patrick Ewing. Right. Right. And I don't feel like we have that coach on staff right now that is attracting the big men or there's not a coach. And when you compare us to, other peers in our conference, in the nation, they probably are better off in terms of having a coach that has that pedigree. And I also just think they need to have a player's coach on staff as well so that they can keep those guys for an extra year and make sure in the transfer portal era that they don't bolt and make sure they have someone during those exit meetings that is kind of the good cop that Mike Hopkins was for a lot of years. Do you have names in mind? Because I have a couple names. And listen, I don't want I don't want some puppy dog coming in. All right, I want someone with a little bit of nasty to him that would yeah. be coaching the big. So I've got two names that came to mind right away. Do you have any names 
That, uh, my name is Derek Coleman. That was and, one of and mine. He's mm-hmm. tough love, absolutely. I think he would be the logical one because of the ties to the program already. And let's face it, Derek Coleman, he's considered the greatest basketball player that wasn't, basically. Like, if not for the injuries, he would have been maybe the best alum in Syracuse basketball history. And I know that's a very bold thing to say when you have Dave Bing, you have Carmelo Anthony, but I think a lot of fans know about his his pedigree when he was heading into the NBA. And I do think he has some NBA knowledge. He has a lot of knowledge about the game. And Coach Beheim respects him, and he would just let him do his thing. Plus, they could use some of that tough nastiness down yeah. low and some of the physical. Like, he would, day one, establish a different culture from the big men. And it would not be this finesse grab the rebound, kick it out. It would be grab it, push bodies around, and throw it down on people. And I think Syracuse could benefit from that. And the thing I brought up with GMAC, how he's the only guy that can walk in the room and drop his ring on the table. I mean, Derek Coleman, he can walk in the interview room and and put up his uh, 1990 NBA draft tape where he was picked number one overall. I mean, I think that's a huge selling point in terms of what you are as a coach and what you can bring to the table from a recruiting standpoint. If he's walking into living rooms and saying, I was the number one pick in the NBA draft, and it's because of what that man Jim Beheim allowed me to do while I was a member of the Syracuse Orange. I know what it's like to be the big man on campus. So I think he would be a fantastic choice. The other guy I was thinking of, maybe John Wallace. I think that is another guy. Bring a little nastiness, a little bit of edge that would help these big men out because that that's what this team needs. Listen, I think there there's been a development aspect to a lot of these guys and some have worked out, some have not. But if you had guys that were just playing hard for you, you could see 150% effort out of some of these guys night in and night out. Then then I forgive a little bit of the fact that okay, you're not great offensively and all the little things that come with that. Right. And it's worth noting, Derek Coleman was on Devo's podcast this year, the Scores Table. And they got into a discussion about Mike Hopkins. And he brought up a story about one time where Mike Hopkins, and I'm sure fans remember this, but he was very close to taking the Charlotte job, UNC Charlotte. Shout out Robert Braswell. And he was pretty much sort of making his staff and putting that framework together. And he reached out to Derek Coleman. And Derek Coleman brought up that story on the podcast and was like, Oh, heck yeah, I'd go down there with you, Hop. That was his mindset about it. Well, if our dream scenario plays out, maybe Hop turns to Derek Coleman to be that guy at Syracuse. Maybe that's in his mindset. Maybe that's what he's pitching in the interview. I just thought it was interesting that he thought of him for Charlotte, and I would love that. That would be both dream scenarios playing out here for us. That would be great in my eyes. That would be awesome. That would be perfect. And maybe get a little Devo on that staff as well. Yeah, maybe. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot no doubt. of fun. All right, so next one, share your thoughts. Another open-ended one. Share your thoughts on Syracuse's off-season moves and your biggest areas of concern slash excitement heading into the 2021 season. I'll go first here. Basically, my thought is just, will this new defense be ready for the tough non-conference schedule? That's my biggest concern If you're looking at it from an excitement standpoint, I'm very excited about Benny Williams. That would be kind of my other overarching thought on the offseason so far, which I guess is more pre-offseason. But I do think they did pretty well. They managed to recoup what was a very hefty list of losses in the offseason. I'm very bummed about Quincy and 
He's announced his four schools that maybe we'll talk about at some point later on this week on the podcast. But I I just am worried about the defense overall. That's my biggest concern. I've got defense concerns me as my number one thing on the list. And you bring up a good point too. Especially, they're going to have to be ready to go out of the gate because there are a lot of tough games. Villanova, Big Ten ACC, Battle for Atlantis, all that stuff. It's going to be tough in the early portion of the season. So yeah, that's going to be... A point of emphasis, but listen, I like the off-season ads. I also think that newness is fun, and this could be, you've got one of the best recruits of all time coming in, and that's something that I feel like gets swept under the rug when people talk about Benny Williams. People don't regard him as the same level, like, I'm thinking of Benny Williams, and I feel like people have the same level of excitement for him as they did for Jalen Carey or Kadari Richmond, and like, they're good. They're top 100 guys, but listen, they're no five-star. And that's what Benny Williams is. And maybe it's the fact that he changed from a four-star to five-star and has kind of risen up in recruiting rankings, but that should be... I wouldn't say he's one of the best of all time, but well, he's one of the best in recent what, memory. If you look at 24-7's rankings, I think he's like 12th in in terms of the 24-7 era. He's 12th all time. So what is he in the class? I mean, he's what twenty six in the twenty four seven. Yeah, but his his yeah. grade is a ninety nine point oh one or something like that. So okay, so based off grade, maybe off of the grade yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, so that's something that when you look at it, he is one of the best recruits in the twenty four seven era, and I don't think he's spoken about in that regard. And so this newness is always fun to me. And you're kind of looking out into the abyss. You don't know exactly what you're going to get with this Syracuse team and and what they're going to bring. If they mesh quickly, then yes, they're a top 25 team in all likelihood. But if they don't, then you could run into a lot of growing pains in the early stages of the season. Real quick, got to tell you about the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You know what it is. It is betonline.ag. We've got baseball season in full swing, and that's where I go to make sure I can get in on all of my MLB betting action and track it all at betonline.ag. They've got the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, the NBA, and NHL playoffs are right around the corner. And also, don't forget, UFC, MMA, golf, all that stuff is going to be heating up over these next couple of months. So be sure to get over to betonline.ag and sign up before the next pitch is thrown and get all of the great sporting news and sign-up bonuses as well. That's right. We've got our sign-up bonus. Use the promo code Locked On, all one word, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code Locked On, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So wrapping up with some athletic director-focused questions here. The first one, if I were the Syracuse athletic director, the first thing I would change or improve is blank. What do you have for this one? I think this is going to be controversial. I think this is going to be controversial. But I think you might agree with me, all right? Knock down the dome, build a new one. Knock the whole thing down. Oh, uh, right off the after the renovations? Yep. You can't do I, it. I now. would have never done the renovation in the first place. I think it, just walking in that building, it's got an old aura to it. And like once you're out and, and sitting in the, the stands and everything, it's cool. But 
you walk into the building and it just it leaves a little bit to be desired, I think. Listen, the atmosphere is fantastic, but it's just you walk in, it's got the the cement and it almost feels like you're in a baseball stadium when you're walking around the concourse of it all. And I think that first of all, every single roof that is put on a stadium. I'm not just talking about Syracuse. I'm talking about every single roof that is put on a football stadium for the rest of time needs to be a retractable roof. Needs to be. I mean, let's yeah. let's not sugarcoat. This is an old building. It, it, it's just past its 40th anniversary of opening its doors. And so I think the shiny new stadium, it attracts people. It'll draw people, especially for football games. If you want to really up the ante there. I, I have always not been a huge fan of the Dome. Now, I haven't seen the new one. Maybe I can be swung, but I still think that it would be best if you just knock the whole thing down and build it from scratch and make it one of those state-of-the-art facilities. Maybe it would help recruiting a little bit. I think the renovations, obviously, they were much needed. I'm excited that they made the renovations. They probably could have done more renovation-wise. Yeah. But I don't want to lose the integrity of the building and the atmosphere. I well, what do if, like... If you knock it down, you can change the name, probably. And we don't have to do this little dance around it anymore. I, I, I would love to see... Right, but you're not going to knock it down in. just for that reason. I mean... No, I know. But listen, you're going to sell a lot of money in terms of a, a sponsorship... Of the Carrier Dome, you're not going to sign the the little, what, $1 million deal it was, lifetime deal, or whatever pennies they got on the dollar for it. And I think on top of that, it would just be better for the overall fan experience. It would give people an incentive to go. And I'm not just talking about the basketball games. The basketball games are always going to have an incentive to go because of the historic program that it is. But I'm talking about the football program where, okay, Worst case scenario, we're going to have a fun time in a spaceship on a Saturday afternoon, all right? So that's what I want to see. I think that would be a huge little facelift to this entire athletics program. So I've got a couple here. I kind of cheated and went away from basketball on some of these Mm -hmm. just for a second. I think they really need to improve the football facilities even more. I think that's in the works, it seems like. They've been raising money for that, but that's a no-brainer for me. That would be day one of the job. How can I figure this out? How can we get this place more desirable for recruits? And on top of that, this is for basketball, football, whatever. Improve the living situation on South Campus. Just give that whole area a facelift, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Because yeah. I just, I mean, let's face it. I was a, a freshman, and then you do the lottery there at South Camp. You do the lottery for sophomore year. I did not want any part of South Campus. I did live I get on South it, Campus. And you did. So what was it like? Honestly, I'll tell you this. If I was an athlete, I don't think I would have minded it. Because overall... You're close, apart- yeah. The apartments are, are... First of all, yeah. They're close to the to the athletic facilities in that regard. If you are in the right spot, you can walk. Um, but I also didn't think the living situation of it all was terrible either. I thought it was actually Yeah, but compared nice to your peers... Like, I can, I don't know no, exactly. Listen, the, my but... only qualm that I had with South Campus, I'll tell you right now, the only qualm I had was the fact that I lived far from the main campus and would have to take the bus in. And that, that is my only problem. If I was an athlete and I could walk to the facilities, 
I didn't think South Campus was all that bad. I thought living situation-wise, it was better than most, if not all, of my friends in terms of the the living space and all of that. So I, I had no problems with South Campus. My only problem was I lived my schedule on the bus schedule, and I don't like living on other people's yeah. uh, timelines. I have no problem with the location because it's better for athletes I just feel like it lacks flashiness in the certain flashiness that you right, need to compete like with barracks. the Southern schools. But yeah, I will just, say this. The interior is fine. The exterior looks like, frankly, it's just outdated, honestly. No, it does. But the, a lot of these athletes also now live in those university village buildings, and those look state-of-the-art. And yeah, just make more of those is my yeah, point, basically. Okay, yeah, that's fine. And I think that's what a lot of their peers have already done. Like these Southern yeah. schools, they have flashy. If you're an athlete and you're going into a big time ACC school down South, you're living pretty good freshman year. Now this past year, you might've been in a hotel or something because of the COVID situation, but you know what I mean? The right. other one, uh, real quick, just retire some women's numbers already. Women's basketball yeah. numbers, get Tiana no up there. I mean, that's been discussed a lot, but I do think that needs, and I think that's also in the works based Especially, on the fact. I mean, you have a, a team that went to the national championship game. The fact that yeah. none of those are in the Raptors right now is pretty criminal. That should have no been doubt. done within years of of the game. And now we're, so the we're, last sitting, one, we're sitting five years removed now. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll get done eventually. It seems like a committee is in place, and it seems like John Wildhack is working on that, but I would like to have already seen it done, I guess, would be my overall point on that. The last question here, just simply, how do you grade the job of athletic director John Wildhack? Five years on the job now, A, B, C, D. What did you put for him? So I guess I gave him like a B minus. Listen, whatever grade you give him right now, in my opinion, is pretty meaningless because his entire legacy is going to rest yeah. on one thing. Because in all likelihood, he is going to be the man that makes the basketball higher. He's going to do something that has never been done since Les Die was the athletic director back in the in the the 70s. So this is going to be a really really difficult thing and it's going to de- determine his entire legacy, right? If he got the hire right and not just that, did he make the best hire among his peers too because listen, UNC already did the coaching change. Duke and Florida State are next in line. Is he going to make the best hire of the four? And if he does, then guess what? He's an A++++++. But if he doesn't, then his grade is going to be probably a D because that is what's important to this fan base. They need to nail the basketball hire, and if they don't, then it's going to fall in John, on John Wildhack's lap. And now I'd imagine Jim Beheim has a fair amount of say in the succession plan as well, but at the end of the day, the blame is going to fall on Wildhack, and the right hire needs to be made for this program so that when Bayheim ultimately does retire, there is no little valley that that accompanies with it. I gave him a C. He's largely incomplete, I would say, overall. I mean, he's added the renovations to the Dome. Those were much needed. I thought they could be even better, but I'll give him a lot of credit for getting the Dome ready during COVID-19. It seemed like that added a lot of extra stress. They've launched the ACC network since he's been there. I'd like to the imagine. A huge thing. Yeah, yeah. That's I'd imagine he was a big B-. part of that. Yeah, yeah. And 
you know, it's incomplete from the standpoint that he hasn't really hired a lot of coaches. He's hired four coaches so far. I will say, troubling news softball-wise coming out this week, good article yeah. from the Daily Orange reporting about Shannon Depking. That's one of the four coaches he's hired. So that's not great that there's some concern that there's some abusive players there. Plus, it looks like in that article, a lot of the softball players, a couple of players that graduated came to him in 2019 and brought some complaints and raised them to John Wildhack. And they didn't really do a ton. And, and here she is still the head coach, I believe. So I, that's not great, but I do think it's, listen, like the wins and losses, it's hard to put too much of it on him. I think scheduling falls on him somewhat. And I don't really make anything of the Dino Baber situation because if we were in his position, Every single one of us, every fan listening, whatever, we would have been would have like, that. yeah, yeah, every like we would have said, give him a 10 year extension and pay him however large the buyout needs to be. Pay that man because we were all drinking the Dino Kool-Aid at that point. So I have no like you can't knock him for that. If we all know we would have made the same decision and felt very confident about it. No doubt. Uh, one of the other things that I think with John Wildhack, and I believe he was a part of this, but Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he one of the leads on the committee that hired Jim Phillips to head mm -hmm. the ACC? Or was that Kent Siverud? It was one of the two. Oh, regardless, it might have been Siverud. Regardless, yeah, I don't and know. listen, I, I, if it was Siverud, I think that he would have consulted John Wildhack pretty heavily it, it, when he's making this sort of hire. And I think Jim Phillips is a home run hire for the commissioner of the ACC. I think he's going to bring the conference to new heights. So that that's another thing. We can talk about the coaches that he's brought in, and maybe it's a mixed bag right there and the extensions he's handed out. But the, the hiring of Jim Phillips as the ACC commissioner, I think that is a real feather in the cap uh, of Syracuse University since they were on the forefront of bringing him to the conference. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, well, that is going to wrap up the Athletic Syracuse Fan Survey. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. We will be back on the podcast tomorrow. We're here with you guys every single weekday. Subscribe or follow the show to get it right in the morning when it drops into your preferred podcast feed. Also, if you have any agreements, disagreements with anything we said as we filled out this survey, feel free to tweet at us at LO underscore Syracuse or drop a review that's basically an ongoing mailbag. If you have any questions that you'd like us to address on the pod, you can always tweet at us or just slap a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever, and we will check those out and, and read them as a mailbag on the show as well. So for Tyler, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Oh.